Hey guys, welcome back to Fingers Underrated. It's been a while. It's been a long while and now we are in season two, which is incredibly exciting. We hope you can pick up on our new and improved mic quality. Be a bit embarrassing if you can't. We should probably introduce ourselves. If you don't know us, I'm Ellis. And I'm Charlotte and we are two 15-year-old girls living in the UK and we have a passion for political and social issues and this is our podcast where we scream into the void and talk about exactly that. As you can see from the title of this episode, we are talking about New Year's resolutions. And I'm sure the first thing that sprung to mind is, well, why are you talking about New Year's resolutions, you know? I thought you were talking about important things. New Year's resolutions are good. New Year's resolutions are nice. Well, we're here to dismantle that capitalistic ideology, one might say. (laughs) (laughs) 2020. What a year it's been. I mean, this is definitely... It goes without saying, this is probably one of the weirdest things we'll ever experience in our lives. It's something we'll talk about in the history books. And it feels weird to say that you've lived through a global pandemic. And it's not worth underestimating the effects that that would have on you, the way you live, your mental health, etc. And I'm just as ready as the rest of you guys to get into a new year, put this behind us. However, the concept of needing a momentous occasion to encourage self-improvement or to allow yourself to be yourself it's a really interesting one I think and something that's only been popularized as many things have due to the marketability if that's a word or consumerism things like that I don't know I think it's a weird one with new year's resolutions because there is a part of me thinking like no it's so stupid it's just an excuse for new diet cultures and like weight watchers to come and advertise like a new way to improve yourself that you don't need to improve like improve in quotation marks Um, But then also I'm thinking, like, should we really be discouraging self-improvement and self-reflection and trying to get better? But the thing is, you've got to question, is it self-improvement or is it what you've been told is self-improvement? Yeah. Are you going on that fad diet because you want to improve your overall health? You know it's the right health decision for you or because that gym company, you know, marketed at you and now you think, well, shit, I've got to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Something quite interesting happened along this line, along these lines the other day. Elif and I were on a phone call to a, well... I'm hesitant to call them a friend. Acquaintance, acquaintance. <laughs> and a debate buddy. And we were talking debate about buddy. this very concept. And we were briefing him on what we were going to say in this episode. And we were saying about how marketed, you know, fitness and stuff is, especially at the time of New Year and adverts and things. And he was like, I've never seen that in my life. Crazy how the and algorithm like, works. The thing is, the algorithm of any social media is quite it picks up on the content you interact with and it picks up on your demographic and chances are if you're a young woman particularly no not exclusively mm-hmm. they're gonna start throwing diet teas and gummies at you because they know that you're impressionable and that's the way these companies thrive especially at new years mm-hmm. which is just you know ultimate cash in time for them true very true um that companies like that will start shoving that down your throat especially to young women and also older women like cellulite creams and, uh, you know, stretch mark That's creams, true. all of that. It's particularly women. I'm not saying it doesn't happen to men, but like that is the market for selling those kind of products too. However, like it didn't start off like that. The origins of celebrating a new year, trying to reflect on yourself, get better. Because originally this started as a tradition, um, a pagan tradition to like improve yourself, but without without the influence of other people and when I say improve yourself I don't mean go on a diet like get healthier like as in quotation marks healthier that we've presented us what is healthy I mean like um just try and think about how you may have impacted other people's lives how you could have gone about your life in a more caring way I don't know just other self-improvement things and I'm not like I don't think that's a bad thing 
No, I don't. And also because there was much more religious prevalence in, you know, 4,000 years ago when the Babylonians were around than there is nowadays. Like the Babylonians would thank their gods for the fruitful year. The Romans would thank their gods too. They'd thank Janus. The, I think Janus was the god of like multiple pathways or something of the sort. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it was basically, yeah, saying thanks for the opportunities and just bringing luck for the new year really although nowadays it is much more of a secular tradition as all of these traditions have become but it is important to note that they do these do have at their core you know religious roots of thanksgiving even and that's just not what it is nowadays is it but i think that can happen with anything even if it's religious roots like christmas for example that has become the most commodified thing ever and that started off with jesus's mm-hmm. birth a way of saying you know i don't know i don't <laughs> i'm not christian but like <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You know, welcoming a saviour into the world and giving thanks to God for providing light into their lives. Exactly. And so in the same way that we, that the meaning of Christmas in a religious sense has dissipated into something of presents, Christmas tree, move on with your year. For the majority. Yeah, obviously, if you're not religious. But I think, especially in the UK, I'm not religious and I still celebrate Christmas because it's just like a tradition that has been not it's become secular now, even if you're not going to church yeah. and stuff. But the same thing has happened with New Year's, where we're not sitting down and actually reflecting on what the year has been like, and now it's just another way for people to market things at you. And that's the thing, there is nothing wrong with nothing wrong with reflection, learning from your experiences and trying to better yourself, if it's genuinely in the name, in your own self-interest and in the name of genuine self-improvement. However, I think that does become, a, there's a there is a line between reflecting and overthinking and it does become quite blurred especially when you devote a whole celebration to just thinking about everything because you're not going to have have had a perfect year especially not in 2020 when you've had everything thrown at you it's probably going to have been the biggest curveball of your life so you're going to look back on it and think oh you know I didn't do very well did I nothing great (laughs) happened here and then you're going to feel bad about yourself so don't do that is the moral of the story (laughs) the moral of the story is you know get it together and don't do that however (laughs) it's not that simple so we thought um a great way to launch the season would be to pick an episode that everyone has such common ground on and take to our instagram once more to review the polls from our followers so if you're not familiar with this podcast we have an instagram account called opinionated and underrated and on our stories every time we are recording a new podcast we put up polls and surveys and question boxes where you can interact and send in your own feedback to be featured in the episodes so we had a lot of questions regarding our followers opinions on new years so i think the first question we asked was very simply has 2020 been a positive experience for you and then a question box saying why so 58 percent said yes it had been a positive experience but 42 percent said no and I thought that was quite interesting because for me it's been a really mixed bag I know personally I thrived in isolation yeah I've said this on the podcast before but it gave me time to consider who I was at my core play to my strengths build my confidence things that just vitally needed to happen but for a lot of people it had the complete opposite effect So obviously it was quite an even split. Some of the ideas we received in the question boxes were the idea of uncertainty has come up way too much. And that is so true. I mean, there is there hasn't been a year like this where we are constantly questioning on a global scale what the fuck is going to happen next? Like, what are we doing? Literally. <laughs> on the positive side, there's a lot of people saying, made me realise a lot about myself, some of my toxic traits, how to improve yourself, self-reflection, self-improvement. And so I feel like quarantine for me anyway like I think I saw a lot in the media as well was this whole like 
quarantine resolutions as if it was a new year because obviously it was such a dramatic change from what our life was like going straight into isolation and we saw all those things like um um you know the chloe ting fitness trend like six weeks of of abs and like um sourdough bread making and like all of these different little things that like you're supposed to improve yourself with that people were like hyper fixated on fitness during quarantine from what Mm. i saw anyway um and so like I think that kind of reflected what usually happens in New Year. And it kind of just was at the big, that was in March, wasn't it? Yeah, it started March, probably ended, I think it ended significantly in about July, which is when schools broke up, at least for us, because one of the biggest markers of quarantine for me was online school, having to log on to Microsoft Teams yeah. every single day, hearing the dreaded notification in the Teams call at nine o'clock in the morning. So as soon as that finished and, you know, lockdown started to be eased, we kind of drifted out of that. But there were definitely three or four months of just intense and concentrated isolation isolation and you just don't account for that ever like who wakes up and thinks i'm not going to see my friends for five or six months i'm I'm not leaving the house for five or six months even literally i'm going to be permitted an hour of exercise a day and if i give my grandma a hug she might die it just sounds like something out of a horror story you just would never put that into context of your own life so i think one of the main things that (laughs) the pandemic taught me was just as cheesy cheesy as it is and as non-revolutionary as it is you know don't take anything for granted you just don't know you never know oh and that comes to the second question we asked on the um instagram was what have you learned from this shit show i think shit show is a fair word to give 2020 i think it has been a mixed bag for me anyway like the highs that i did have in 2020 were like really intense moments of Mm -hmm. high and the lows that i did have were also really intense moments of low yeah so a few of the ideas that we had were, um, this is my favourite one, the government's yeah. bad, pursue anarchy. <laughs> um, I think we've seen the government's true colours this year, so that is definitely a point to take away from this. Another response that we received was, it's not worth hating yourself because sometimes everything else is taken away from you and you are all that's left. And I found that to really resonate. I thought it was quite poignant because, you know everything i mean in march or april i was so distressed i literally made a checklist of everything i'd been promised this year and i ticked them all off one by one every single one of them without a fail was gone and then all you've got left is yourself in your bedroom you know doing what you want to do and so if you're not at peace with yourself it was a really interesting exercise and again i've mentioned this on the podcast before but i wasn't i went into isolation in march really sort of against myself not at peace with myself and I came out of it having learned so much about myself and I did find it quite a healing experience in a very very strange way absolutely and I think we've said this quite a few times on the podcast before it's like quarantine and isolation really was just like a smack in the face like stop relying on other people without that constant confirmation that you're getting from your friends that like what you're doing is normal you're fine like you're with your friends like you just when you're having that constant out no input of um like other people's lives it just it's really weird to like just be it's like you kind of for the first moment like literally in my life I was just kind of with myself which is weird because like you're always with yourself but like really sat down and was like oh this is like okay this is you because the way our lives are run they're so busy they're so you know mindless a lot of the time you just you're not allowing yourself any time to just sit down and be yourself or even allow any thought as to who you are what you like what you enjoy you know anything like that because you're just so preoccupied with every other aspect of your life which just occupies all of your brain space so we asked on our polls um what was everyone's highlights of 2020 
Um, I completely forgot about this, but someone said Biden winning, and I saw it, and I was like, oh my god, yes, <laughs> of course. How did I forget about that? It feels like a lifetime ago, and it was literally a couple months ago. Politically, that was just one of the biggest. That was probably the biggest win of the past few years. Yeah. It was just. I remember Elif and I were really caught up in the election, and it was just pure like ecstasy. It wasn't. So it wasn't even relief. ecstasy. It was relief. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I was. Right, I'm not actually. overjoyed that Biden is president. Like I, I don't love the man, but like it was just no, for many many reasons. <laughs> we do not love the man, but it was just like. <sighs> like I felt like I literally could just breathe. I'm not even in America. Imagine living in America. Like that's even I couldn't I couldn't have done it. I'd be on my last nerve, honestly. But it, yeah, it was a sense of like relief, and I just kind of was like, okay, it's fine. Like, not everything is bad. Literally, it was just the beacon of light we needed when yeah. everything was kind of crumbling again for the second time or the third. Another response that we got was getting into sick forms, and yeah, we just completely forget about that yet again because our school and work lives are just put on hold, were put on hold. But you know, life goes on. And by the way, I'm incredibly proud of you. That is a great achievement. Another one was just getting into rock climbing again. And it is just those simple things that got stripped away. Like, I know for me, every every week at school, I'd complain about having to, you know, go to choir, do this, that. But then as soon as we got back into school yeah. and I was singing again, I was just like, I have missed this so much. Yeah, even though, like, it's not my favourite thing. But, like, when you're not having it every week, that routine is gone. It just, yeah, it, you miss it. Then we asked, um, what has been a regret? <laughs> Someone said, beep. No, <laughs> I can test out my bleep, Elif. Okay, okay, okay. So Elif and I made a bleep for these occasions where we have to get rid of names, and so we've got this amazing bleep which you would have just heard. I'll do it again just for effect. Beep. <laughs> okay, it sounds so stupid. Right. Anyway, um, someone said their ex. You know, fair enough. And um, people said not revising hard enough and doing well in online school. I definitely, definitely felt this. Like, I feel. And I was, we were really lucky to have a really good online education, although it wasn't, it's not, it's not ideal. You're still learning online, but like it was still, we still had access to Wi-Fi and computers and we had lessons every day that we needed to for, you know, during the term. And I still feel like I wasted so much of it and I feel really guilty for having Me done too. that. However, I, I mean, initially I was thinking the exact same thing, but then you've got to cut yourself some slack. Yeah. You're, try, you're not trying to do a bit of, you know, mental maths. You're trying to teach yourself your GCSEs, your A-levels, your uni degree over a screen completely on your own. And, you know, the reason that we are so disciplined at school is because we're forced into it. None of us really want to be there very much. <laughs> so when all of that, you know the compulsion to be there is stripped away yeah of course you're going to want to do your own things especially when for the first time in your life you have the freedom to just do what you want to do like i even started embroidering at one point i didn't want to be off the rails to be honest oh yeah i was knitting i I knitted like a whole six foot blanket you did elephant by the way for some context i think it might just be interesting to note that (laughs) elephant i weren't really friends till the end of quarantine um and yeah our friendship started on zoom and look at this we're still on zoom we are it was because um we'd always been friends we attended choir together we, we were friendly we were friendly together. friendly Fre- sorry <laughs> like no i didn't we like friends. you then. we weren't friends we were friendly um and then obviously i ran out of options <laughs> Shut up. um but yeah and then um we bonded over beep we also bonded through expressing our common interests online. Everyone first found us a bit annoying. So we kind of, we were forced together, really. And look where we are now. How gorgeous. Still annoying people online. <laughs> oh my gosh. Talking of annoying people online. We'll get back to the actual podcast in a second. But I just think we should inform you that we now have a fan page. Oh, two, mind you. 
Well, I have one. I have a par- oh, yeah. I have a personal one dedicated just to me. And then, well, we say fan page. Um, I'm not really sure what it is, to be honest. No, it's just because it just doesn't make any sense. It's not really coherent. It's a parody of our account. And first of all, we thought, oh, okay, this might be entertaining. But then they just started posting misogynistic, edgy memes. And we were like, oh, so you hate minorities. Great. <laughs> so you- Let's move on. Wonderful. Move on. Next. Next. <laughs> Next caller. Next caller. Talking of next caller, shall we address um, the next question of the poll? What are you looking forward to in 2021? Somebody said they were looking forward to the end of their GCSEs. Actually, no, a few people said they were looking forward to the end of their GCSEs, their exams, their A-levels, and I completely relate. We just kind of, I think I'm more stressed than I would be because, you know, everything's up in the air at the moment. I don't even know if I'm going to sit my GCSEs. I know I missed out on four solid months of core content that yeah and it shows i mean Aleph and i have been revising believe it or not together <laughs> and as we were going through our notes we were just like anything from april to june yeah april to july even just i don't know it's a blank in my know. mind i'm like when when did we do this um but honestly like it, it's surreal to me that in a few months i'm never gonna have a maths lesson ever again in my life i'm overjoyed <laughs> chemistry physics maths biology bye-bye <laughs> Um, um, someone said a vaccine, which we don't even know if is going to work on the new strand. So let's hope it does. Let's hope it does. Let's really, really hope it does, because that is a positive thing we can hold on to. And yeah. I really, really hope. I mean, it's been administered. Like, my auntie's got it. Like, really? it's not just a wide... Yeah, because she works at the NHS. Oh, cool. It's not just a distant thing. We know of people, so hopefully it's just going to continue to develop and be spread in that way. The vaccine, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, we've kind of contradicted ourselves here in true opinionated and underrated fashion. We've said one thing and then gone on for 10 minutes of, against it. But as as great as self-reflection is and as like key as it is to look back and consider aspects of your life, give yourself the opportunity to do that. We are here to slag off New Year. <laughs> so one of the questions on our poll was, do you make New Year's resolutions? 74% said no. said yes. And to be honest, I was expecting maybe more people to say that they didn't make... But can I say, can I say, I think the question you put up was a bit misleading because you said, do you make and keep New Year's resolutions? And then the next question we asked was, do you end up following through with them? So I think people got a bit confused there. But either way, like 26% is still quite a lot of people Mm -hmm. compared to the people that actually follow through with it, which was only 15%. So only 15% of our followers say that they follow through with their new year's, new year's resolutions. I mean, I can sit here and tell you right now, never in my life have I followed through the new year's resolution. Not once. I've never like properly made one, to be honest, because it's just like, I don't yeah. have the effort. The thing is though, it is quite a lot of effort to make a resolution when you are told that the things you should be aiming for are really tangible and they're really, you know, it's a goal that you can set in stone, like lose five pounds, like diet, eat this and this and this yeah. or exercise get, five get times score a week. in my GCSEs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if yeah. you make it too tangible and set it in stone, you know, you can't make something that's unachievable. I get bored of doing the same thing three days in a row. What the hell makes me think I'm going to exercise every day for a year, 365 <laughs> days? It's unrealistic. But I think that is something that's pushed us a lot. It is unrealistic goals and then we feel bad that we haven't done it. 
And then it's just an endless cycle of self-hatred. These corporations and these organisations, they just thrive off of guilt. I think that's the main emotion. As in, we know, it's not an unfamiliar concept that we are marketed ideas which we then adopt as, you know, key ideas as as to how we should look, act, behave. Mm -hmm. But then when you don't achieve that, because, you know, these people who do achieve that are being put on a pedestal. You know, the the boy with the abs and the ripped body, you know, everyone wants to be him. The the girl who's, you know, she's great at her sport, she's skinny, she's pretty, everyone wants to be her. They've achieved the goal. And when you don't, you just feel inadequate. You feel awkward and upset. And then these companies will thrive off these insecurities by trying to sell you more and more things, make more resolutions, make more diet plans. And yeah, it's an endless cycle and you will never win. So stop trying I mean, to. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It is a losing game. And as much as there's a fine line, as we keep stressing between self-improvement and just falling to the consumerism and the things that are being marketed at you. And there's no shame in this. You're not a bad person. Every single person in their life is influenced. That's what the media is there to do. That's the role of the media in our capitalist society is tell you what to buy and how to act. And I think we have to look at the reasons why we want to change these things about ourselves. Like, do you, I mean, we've talked about this before in the Beauty Standards episode and like countless other episodes about us just being like, your insecurities are hand fed and hand cultivated to you at the top. People at the top are making these insecurities that you will adopt so that they can sell things to you. Um, And then I think just becomes completely heightened during the years. I completely agree. And it's evident in the fact that this is just a yearly tradition, something that we don't even question because it is so ingrained in our society. So on the subject of that, we did actually ask our followers, what have you completed in the past years? So if you said yes, if you are not 15%, you said yes, you have completed a New Year's resolution, you know, what did you do? And one of the responses we got was waking up thankful for another great day to be alive. And in brackets, I still do that. See, this is a perfect, perfect example of um, a New Year's resolution that is attainable, hasn't been um you know fed to you as something that you should be doing to change yourself it's just feeling gratitude which is a really good thing and you can't you can't mark it off of that and i think this is a really good example of you know a personal goal versus a more consumerism headed goal as in this person is waking up and selling themselves something that is attainable you know it is attainable to adopt a more positive mindset and be grateful for the world you are living in and the things you are experiencing versus someone going you know on a mad fitness spree and i know i keep making fitness analogies but in my head that's probably the most prevalent new year's resolution would you agree definitely definitely so before we asked you know what have you actually gone through with which you know what we found was the majority of the responses saying that they actually achieved it were personal goals like waking up grateful being thankful looking after myself And the resolutions that didn't get done were stuff like working out, going on a diet, um, trying to do this many hours of whatever, because that is the stuff that you don't actually want to do. You're never, ever going to be able to achieve something you don't actually want to do. If you don't actually want to, like, put your body through torture to make it skinnier so that someone else will like it, because at the end of the day, you're still going to hate it, um, then you're not going to you're not going to achieve it. That's entirely true. And actually, you just reminded me of something that I was intending to talk about. Can we talk about how a significant chunk of people make their New Year's resolution to get a partner? I've heard so many people say, oh, this is the year I'm going to get a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a partner, Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, no, you're right, I have. (laughs) 
it's just mind blowing because you know love or relationships or feelings romantic attraction that's organic that's not something you can set a time on a time stamp like we know that in theory if i said to you this time next week i'm going to have a i'm going to have a relationship you'd be like what <laughs> like, of course you're not but then somehow when we put this in the context of a new year's resolution it's just acceptable and we're not here to shame you but it's like consider why again consider why this is what you think you want do you want that validation do you want people to view in a certain way because i'd say that's probably what you do want exactly and like i i don't blame people though because what we've been told since day one is you're half you're not whole until you have someone if you're above 30 and not married specifically a woman and you haven't had children this i think that this whole idea of like i'm gonna be in a relationship by this year specifically is for people who are older than us like adults and stuff because that is when that ticking time bomb starts and they're like oh like I'm 25 I haven't been in a relationship yet like I don't know what I'm doing with my life my life means nothing I'm half of a person as if your worth is anything to do with like someone else in your life but this is what we've been told since day one because like I mean even like thousands of years ago you weren't worth anything unless you were married and had children and still nowadays I think like the majority of people who present as female will be able to tell you that they've been asked so do you want children i've been asked that yeah i've been asked that i just got asked that today twice actually really yeah they were like so when are you getting married like having a kid are you gonna grow your hair out and i was like what what is me growing my hair out got to do with me getting married it's just absolutely unreal like even you know just sitting in history a boy turns around so when you're getting married how many kids do you want like charlotte that's a very specific experience I mean, yeah, I might have to bleep out the class. I need to stop giving these people at my school ammunition, man. Who asked you that? Who asked you that? Um, I think it was... Beep! What? That's so random. I know. I know. And then he asked it to... Beep! Beep! Well, beep, 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 beep. (laughs) He said that to... Beep! And to... Beep! Well, and then... Beep! On a really, like, a really good rant about, like, (laughs) how she's going to be independent and she's going to, like, be self-sufficient. And it was was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. But it's just such a common experience to the point that we just tone down an eternal relationship of love and family into a target on a checklist i think it boils down to specifically women's worth but just as humanity our worth that we're never going to be just enough as we are existing we have to have either a boyfriend or we're not dieting enough or like oh my god you're not exercising enough you're not getting enough like good grades like and a question we asked on the polls was um like pertaining to diet culture and stuff surrounding the holiday specifically and we asked do you or have you ever overcompensated for a bountiful christmas by restricting yourself in the new year and um 42 said yes and while that's not a majority that's still a warring number of people 42 percent of our followers can sit down and say that they felt guilty for enjoying christmas and it's just like when you live in a society that literally tells you christmas is the best time of year you've got to buy all this food yeah. buy all these gifts do this and do that and you have to have fun because otherwise you are a miserable person <laughs> you are horrible and then it by new year it flips on its head and actually no you ate too much you had too much fun you didn't do this and this and this like how are you meant to win you don't and of course you feel guilty and one of the um, responses we got for like how did this occur like what made you feel guilty was extreme dieting and guilt around the food i consumed which i think is really sadly an extremely common thing to experience another response was i just became strict with what i'm eating around christmas and I don't like the word just there because it kind of undermines the fact 
you know that this is a serious or prevalent issue that people experience yeah and it's just the way that we feel guilty for eating food and nourishing our body and celebrating with our families will never fail to just disgust me really disgust me so what advice would you give to people who do feel guilty around eating in quotation marks too much around the holidays i would say that you've got to put it into several perspectives first of all you know on an international or a global scale the whole world well that's unrealistic but a lot of you know western societies especially celebrate this commercialized version of christmas where from november the first or even october you have stores selling you all this lovely like luxurious food adverts on the tv you know the main selling point of christmas is to buy things and eat things and of course that's what we're going to do not only because that's what we've been told to do but because that's enjoyable and nourishing your body and celebrating a joyous time of the year is never something that should make you feel guilty and if you feel that way i've been there i felt that way too but i've just got to like it's not worth sacrificing your happiness for the body that you think you need to maintain. I've said this, if you if you feel this way, I'd really recommend listening to the episode on confidence that we released quite recently. It was it covers this in a lot more detail, but it does break my heart that people have this guilt surrounding Christmas and my my advice is to confront this head on to consider why how this makes you feel and really try and make the conscious effort to you know reprogram your brain into viewing you know eating a meal with your family in a positive light focus on the positive things positive things such as you know I get to spend time with my family I get to eat this food that I really love versus I feel so fat I feel so whatever whatever you know what I'm saying yeah exactly it's not a oh if I do this then I'll do this kind of scenario if I eat lots on Christmas then I just will not eat anything until New Year's it's not that kind of situation if you eat a lot at Christmas which is fine because that's what we've been told to do then just go about your normal like what is healthy for you and what you do um eating routine like you shouldn't have to overcompensate being like well if I did this then in order to stay skinny is in order to not feel guilty then I need to cut down on what I'm doing they're not like reliant on each other it's not a ratio it's not a balancing yeah. act it's not like if I ate x amount on the 25th I need to eat x amount on the 26th so it balances out to two days worth that's <laughs> not how it works yeah no that's not how it works at all um just eat until you're full just eat until you're full and and then just move on with your life, try and detach your worth or, you know, the way you feel from food. See it for what it is, a piece of food. If you're thinking this year, yeah, I'm going to get fit this year, I'm going to work out five days a week, I'm going to diet, I'm going to only eat this many, um, you know, sweets a day, I'm only going to, I'm going to have this many vegetables because I have to, I have to, I have to. Um, please just like re- really, really think why. Do you genuinely think that you'll be a happier person once you've like put your body through this torture and then only to have like and you know like you're not gonna keep that up that's not attainable for like the entire year so if you already know that like you're gonna fail this resolution then why are you gonna put yourself through it in the first place that's entirely right and i think the whole idea of naming it a new year's resolution implies that you need to implement some sort of change into your life yeah you don't need to change if the way you're living is perfectly self-sufficient perfectly happy and if you're not living happily or self-sufficiently the the key thing is to identify why and how can you honestly healthily and just productively make your life improve your life for yourself and not for that corporation who wants to sell you their 
their Slimming World programme or you know, anything along those lines. I think something that I've really, that's really come to my attention this year is just how, it's just how marketed everything is and all the things I thought I knew about myself or I thought I felt about myself, there weren't, they weren't independent opinions. You know, I thought I was too fat. No, I didn't really. I've just been so conditioned down this, you know, cesspool pipeline of lies that I was, and the danger with social media in this conversation is that, as we said earlier, they have a really engulfing algorithm in that any content you interact with, you watch, you know, a few times, you like, you comment on, even if it's to comment, you know, something hateful, that still counts as, you know, feeding that algorithm. Yeah. It's going to just churn out more of the same content. And before you know it, you've got a really dangerous echo chamber for yourself. It was so weird. I was with my friend and she was just, I saw her and she was on like her Instagram explore feed and she had like a bunch of gummy vitamins, hair growth and like, um, you know, those diet detox teas on her um, feed and stuff. And I never, ever get those um, things because I don't follow never. any accounts like that. And then literally a second later, I went on and I immediately got three adverts for um, like slimming gummies and detox teas. And it's like literally insane how the algorithm works. But there's this really interesting documentary called social dilemma and basically it's basically just saying that if you're not paying for something as in like if you're consuming something as in we consume um like media on our feed and stuff if you're not paying for that then you are the product that people are paying for people are paying to have your attention to be able to sell their ads their slimming teas their detox things and not even if you're going to buy it because Yes, you can scroll past millions of skinny girls holding gummy bears and think, oh, I'm never going to buy this. What's the problem? But that still has a deep psychological effect on you thinking, hmm, everyone I see on my media like that I consume every single day is doing this. And some part of your brain is going to be like, hmm, I should look like this. I should do this. That's really intriguing. And I really like the way you phrase that there. And that's on Netflix, that documentary, isn't it? Yeah. Although maybe don't watch it with your parents if they're super paranoid about social media because you might never be allowed on your phone ever again. It is, it is really scary to see like how much control they have. But it is, it is a good like a, like side of seeing things. But then again, I think we've we've always known that deep down, but it's just when you force yourself to, you know, open your eyes and just be aware of how insignificant you are in comparison to the, you know, the ever-churning wheel of the society that we live in. You know, you're helpless and where are corporations without, you know, their consumers? And in the end of the day, you are just a consumer. So it really is up to you what you consume, how you consume it, how you allow yourself to be marketed to. And New Year's is just the time where all these companies just cash in on you, cash in on your insecurities and your maybe your instabilities or any ways they can just chip through your coat and get into your brain and you know market things at you that's how adverts work me and charlotte came up with this game where we try and see how many like negative things not even negative not even negative but like we're focusing on negative things here right now um how many negative things we could relate back to as um as a result of capital we're not as a result of capitalism but we're not we're not gonna put this in but like let's just play the game let's just play the game uh, no i think we should let's do it properly okay fine simple 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 um how many steps does it take to relate new year's not even like new year's resolutions i mean the celebration of new year's mind you is celebrated not just in western culture like um obviously new year's the chinese new year um everything but the negative part of it relate back to capitalism 
okay, this is how I would relate the celebration of a new year to capitalism. We function in a society that we are so insignificant in that we feel that we need to give thanks for the act of being granted a new year in this monotonous cycle that we are just caught up in. We are so insignificant that we feel we should express gratitude for being allowed to exist in a society that realistically we have absolutely zero say in and we are being treated with as pawns. Stop laughing at me, Ellen. <laughs> that is how I would relate the celebration of New Year's to capitalism. <laughs> I just want to say this is this is a joke, okay? This is, there is some truth to it, but this this is a joke. I just the, the people are gonna come back to us being like, this is such a reach, it's so stupid. It's supposed to be a reach. Okay, come on, give me one. Elif, I've got one for you. How would you relate, and this isn't inherently negative, but how would you relate having a podcast to capitalism? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, We are just pawns, aren't we? (laughs) Um, I would relate having a podcast into, okay, as pawns in this capitalist society, and the fact that we have come to the realisation and the truth that we do have no say in this society and how it's run, and... um, there is no way we're going to change it. And so as an effort to grapple at any kind of hope of trying to validate our opinions, um, we are forced to like scream into the void, which isn't really a void because we hope people are listening. And Pat's <laughs> Actually, that, you make a good point. I know that this game is meant to be about making reaches, but you do make a good point. And actually, we are not entirely screaming into a void because much to our surprise we got a little spotify podcast as and we have reached i think it was 19 countries which is just insane <laughs> what 19 countries. and think about it okay i think i haven't checked analytics last but last time i checked we had about a thousand listeners and when i see like 1k on the screen it doesn't seem like a lot of people but i was thinking about it like if a thousand people walked into this room and just and sat to listen to you talk. That's a like that's insane. It is just absolutely mind blowing. And this is something Elif didn't want me to share, but I'm going to share it anyway. In the UK, we are 45th in educational podcasts. <laughs> Out of how many? Probably 50. I'm not sure. <laughs> listen, either way, but, it's a big okay, achievement. I'm proud of us. <laughs> I'm so proud of us, and here's our challenge. Link this back to the podcast and prove that we didn't just go off on one. The way this relates to our podcast is because we are grappling at the idea of achievement, especially when there's been so little to achieve in the past year. And the most notable thing that I've achieved this year is definitely this podcast. So I'm just giving thanks to this, and here's to hoping we can carry it into 2021. (laughs) Yay! And I think that kind of concludes our little capitalist New Year's resolutions rant. And don't get us wrong, we're not saying that working on personal improvement is a scam and that you shouldn't work to better yourself if it genuinely makes you happy. Yet again, we're just saying be aware of what's an independent desire for you to do versus what's being marketed at you. Be selective about the goals you set yourself and their attainability. Absolutely. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really, really appreciate it if you clicked the follow button on Spotify and wrote down, wrote out even just a short review on Apple Podcasts because that is the only way our podcast can be pushed out into there and we can hit 40th in education podcasts <laughs> in the UK. And if you want to be part of our future polls for the next episodes, that should come out every fortnight, although we're not sure about the schedule yet because we've just figured out um, podcasting on Zoom with our new microphones. Hopefully the mic quality is better. And um, obviously we have exams and stuff and the new year, all our resolutions to try and get done. (laughs) Um, And so it should be out every fortnight. But if you want to be involved in the polls and get involved, giving your response, giving your opinion, our Instagram is opinionated and underrated.
even if you just want to message us some ideas or have a chat you know our dms are there if you want to send us any resources or anything you'd rather do over email for whatever reason our gmail is opinionated and underrated at gmail.com the rest of our social medias will be in the description of this episode as well any sources that we use in future episodes so please do check that out we hope you enjoyed listening we'll see you in a fortnight bye guys, bye guys.